You're listening to Civic from the San Francisco Public Press. On this edition, we'll hear from a city college trustee about the recent decision that board made to balance its budget, which could have meant significant cuts to faculty. City College, we have this vision of not just being a school for transfer students, right? And so how do we support this vision of a community college that not only serves as junior college, but helps the entire entire community and serves the vision that we have for it in, in San Francisco? We've been relying on band-aids, and unless we it gets long-term and permanent change, ideally funding, we're, we're going to be at the same crossroads again next year. I'm Laura Wenis, and this is Civic. Before we get started... At the Public Press, which is Civic's parent organization, we've been working really hard during this pandemic to pursue angles we're not seeing much coverage of elsewhere, or to take a more systemic look at the issues that are surfacing in the headlines. The San Francisco Public Press is a nonprofit, and we're inspired by the public radio model. That's the idea that people who are able to support the work that we do so everyone can have access to it without paywalls or ads. If you think we're onto something, we'd very much appreciate if you could show your support. You can do that by going to sfpublicpress.org slash donate or by helping us get the word out about this show. Subscribe on whichever podcast platform you use or leave us a review. It really does help. So thanks. City College has long been struggling financially. For months, students and educators at the college have been organizing demonstrations, protesting proposed cuts to faculty. Cuts, they said, would have been an existential threat to the college and would have disproportionately affected students of color. But then, on May 10th, the City College Board of Trustees voted on a plan to reduce teacher pay instead of laying teachers off. This is a plan that members of the teachers' union had also voted on and approved. This is by no means a long-term solution to the college's financial problems, though. I talked about the bigger picture with Alan Wong, a member of the City College Board of Trustees, and also a legislative aide to Supervisor Gordon Marr. Where to start with the city college situation? Here's maybe you can maybe you can tell me if I'm understanding this correctly. So, mm-hmm. as I understand it, you and your colleagues have now made a decision that essentially accepts the offer from teachers for them to take a pay cut in order to prevent layoffs. Is that about right? Um. Yeah, I think generally that's uh, that's right. Um, so the college has had a budget situation for a long time. Uh, We call it a structural budget deficit. And what that means is we are not, you know, not just, it's not just a one, one time deal, right? It's a long-term issue where the college has committed to spending more than it's actually taking in on revenue. And for many years, the college has been kind of doing like one time kind of solutions and, and band-aids and um, we're, we're getting to a point where we're not getting enough we're not getting help from people because they're uh, tired of us kind of uh, getting these these band-aids so we're in the situation where we we need to make sure our our budget is is balanced and we have reserves to make sure that we preserve our our college so last year before I was elected to the board there was a multi-year budget plan that was made to basically bring bring our expenses in line with our our, our revenue. And so 
who in in March the college sent out layoff notices to faculty to announce that they could potentially get get laid off. And so after that, there was bargaining between the college and the faculty union to discuss the the impacts of that and to see if there were there can be other arrangements that could be could be made. The deadline to figure that out was May 10th because that's when the City College Board of Trustees had to make a decision on how to balance the the budget. Mm-hmm. And in, in bargaining essentially they had to weigh between layoffs or or taking salary concessions. And so ultimately the faculty union in bargaining with the city college administration decided that they would uh, go forward with the, the current proposal to stop, to prevent all layoffs of full-time faculty. So maybe you can tell me in terms of where, where this came from. It sounds like what was being proposed by City College was, well, we either need to lay you off or you need to be able to take a pay cut. Do you know if that's how this went down or if it was, you know, the City College saying, unfortunately, we need to let you go and the teachers then coming back and saying, oh, well, how about this? Instead of letting us go, we take a pay cut. Do you know which side that offer came from? Um, like the final final proposal? Yeah, well, this proposal that we that that the board of trustees has now approved, um, I mm-hmm. didn't know that that was on the table. Let's put it that way. I thought it was layoffs or nothing. <laughs> so, I, I used to be also be a union representative as as well, so I'm familiar with labor negotiations. So, whenever mm-hmm. the employer proposes things that may impact the terms and and uh, terms and conditions of employment of employees, they're required by law to negotiate the impacts on the employees. So they have to discuss how it impacts employees and what sort of alternatives are available. So when Mm -hmm. I've been involved in the sort of impact bargaining as a union rep with uh, SEIU in the past, for for me, we, we discuss what are the alternatives? Can we get severance packages for our employees? Can we, uh, are there alternatives? Have we looked at all of the um, uh, alternatives to, to save, uh, save money? And so that's a requirement under, under the law to, to ensure that the workers have, have a voice. Mm-hmm. So the teachers union, uh, the AFT 2121, they had to vote to approve this on their end before it went to the board of trustees. If that offer hadn't been on the table, I mean, if the teachers union hadn't voted to accept pay cuts, what decision would you have been facing, you and your colleagues, at this vote? At at that meeting, what we would have had to decide on would, would be whether to lay off the the faculty that were uh, proposed uh, earlier. So what I was informed was about potentially about 100 faculty that would have been before the college board. And in fact, it was um, on on the 10th. It it was still on the agenda in case the vote to approve the agreement didn't get approved. Right. By the, on the teacher's end. Yes. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, So Oh, and all, all, I mean, the college board could may may not approve it as well, right? So right. it's not set in stone. Right. So so both sides, both the ultimate um, approval authorities for both sides. In the case for AFT, it's the the membership, 
in our case, it's the Board of Trustees. So both of the, the, the bargaining teams negotiate the tentative agreement and then they need to go back to their uh, uh, ultimate final authorities to, to approve it. And so on our May 10th agenda, we had uh, on our agenda, we had the approval of the tentative agreement between the, the union and the college. And also there is a separate agenda item where we would have been forced to vote on the layoffs if if one side or the other didn't uh, approve of the, the bargaining agreement. Yeah, makes sense. So with this decision, mm-hmm. one thing that's not totally clear to me is if there will still be layoffs at all. I mean, I'm seeing that this prevents 156 full-time faculty members and up to 440 part-time instructors from being laid off. But I've also read that 163 full-time faculty originally got potential layoff notices. So does this cover everyone? Under state law, there's a requirement to for, for education institutions to notify their their teachers whether they could potentially get laid off by by March 15th and then the other deadline is the final deadline is by May 15th so the the college what what they did was they likely put out a higher number just so that they have that flexibility because the the, the projections on, on the budget could be it could be different or things can can change right so I think in in terms of uh, the the March vote it, it was probably a higher number so that the the college administration had the the flex flexibility. Mm-hmm. So will there still be layoffs? Do we know? There are no faculty layoffs in uh, per the agreement. Wow. What about the class section cuts that those layoffs would have resulted in? Will those still be necessary? In terms of uh, class sections, mm-hmm. um, so there's a. Uh, in the bargaining agreement, there's a minimum uh, number of class sections that will be guaranteed. I I can't say for like the specific classes, because that will kind of be up to, well, that's not at at my level, right? It'll be up to other levels of the college to figure out what specific classes to to teach. Uh, But there is a guarantee for a minimum uh, number of class sections for the upcoming uh, uh, fall and uh, s- spring semesters uh, for, for the college. My understanding is that the number of uh, class sections that were guaranteed what is lower than what we had the, the previous year. So I, I do believe there will be a less number of classes, but I can't say specifically for, for like specific classes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, then... Yeah, that does. Yeah. So basically, we, you don't know for sure because it isn't set by the Board of Trustees exactly how many sections of which classes are going to be definitely on the roster going forward. Um, but it seems like there may be fewer sections than before. There, there, yeah, uh, that's uh, my understanding is that there will be uh, fewer sections from than, than before. Mm-hmm. And then one final aspect of this, just this agreement I want to talk about before we get to the bigger picture. I was reading that City College was facing a $33 million shortfall for the fiscal year. With this new move, this temporary fix, has that been entirely resolved or is there still a shortfall that remains? So this agreement is a one-year deal. So it helps us balance the budget for this year. But when we get back to to next year, we we may be in a similar situation where we have to figure out how to ooh, balance our budget uh, because the 
the salary reductions are one year one year deal uh, only uh, to to make sure that um, the college is uh, balancing its budget for for this year. So r- really, we need to look at long term solutions for for the college as a legislative aide in Supervisor Gordon Marr's office and. 2019 and 2020, I worked on drafting this potential uh, city uh, charter amendment that called uh, the Workforce Education Recovery Fund that would set aside a permanent amount of money for for City College, uh, similar to the Public Education Enrichment Fund that uh, Tom Amiano uh, moved forward for the school district many years ago, and so it was modeled after that. Um, And so we were ready to move forward with that charter amendment but then COVID hit and then we there was a lot of uncertainty of the budget and we weren't able to get enough support for a permanent charter amendment a charter amendment to permanently set aside money from from the city to be able to support the the college before we so go too much what, further down that road, um, I, I'm not sure that I that I caught this. So, is City College out of the woods for that 33 million dollar shortfall for now? I understand that long term, it's uh, not yes. Uh, for for this year, based on our projections for this upcoming uh, fiscal year, we will be able to have a balanced budget. Mm-hmm. But the but next year, when we're figuring out the budget for the next fiscal year. Um, we're going to have a similar issue. Right. So when we're trying to figure out the budget for the for the 2022-2023 budget, right, because next year we'll be figuring out the budget for the following year. Um, and so we're going to be facing a similar situation where we have a, a structural deficit. And so we have to come to we'll come to a way, uh, making sure that we have a balanced budget and appropriate reserves so that our college does not... Um, get taken over by the state, which would mean a state trustee would come in and then they can do whatever they want. What? And be able to, oh, yeah, because essentially, the rest of the board of trustees? Uh, yes, uh, basically we, uh, we we don't matter uh, anymore. So th- then that's happened before uh, when the college has had issues in in the past decade, they were taken over by a, the state. And so the board of trustees were uh, were meaningless, um, and so they they came in and uh, took over, and so they basically had the uh, the power uh, to do whatever they they wanted of the college. Um, so so we were uh, we received a letter uh, from we received a letter that stated that that could be a possibility if we don't resolve our our budget issues. Um, so that's something that's constantly on the mind of. The, the city college board making sure that we are um, we are in a stable budget situation and we have the appropriate recommended five percent reserves. Mm-hmm. That letter was from the state. Yes, uh, we received a a letter from the state level, uh, basically stating that we would be at risk of a a state takeover if we don't handle our finances uh, appropriately. So it was definitely a priority for the college board to ensure that we are uh, balancing our our budget and so one one of the issues that's going on that's also contributing to our um, structural uh, budget deficit in the future is the state has changed the uh, student what's changed the funding formula for the college 
in turn uh, from that we get from enrollment. Under the previous formula, we our funding is all based on enrollment. And under the new factors, it's uh, based on the number of low-income students we support and also based on the uh, number of students um, that get a transfer or get various certifications and, and also enrollment as well. Uh, but what, what it does is it disadvantages uh, community colleges like uh, our city college because we have, uh, unlike other sorts of community colleges across the state, we don't just serve transfer students. We also right. serve ESL students. We serve lifelong learners. We, we serve people that are wanting to build a, uh, they want to get a, a new new profession. And when we have a funding formula that is only, or not only, but uh, that kind of shifts the incentives and how we how we get funded, that um, causes issues for city college. So currently, we're we have a grace period for that. The grace period. Uh, so we we're still getting funded under our previous enrollment levels. I believe at our 2017 to 2018. Uh, based on our, our 2017 to 2018 uh, enrollment. So we're, we have a grace period, um, but that grace period is going to expire and we're going to have to get funded based on that, the uh, student-centered funding formula, uh, which will mean at least another uh, $7 million uh, loss in, in funding. So that's another structural budget issue that we're facing going forward. And so City College, we have this vision of not just being a school for transfer students, right? Right. Um, but well, also people might want to go into trades. People might, as you say, want to change mm -hmm. careers. They might need to learn a language. They might need to mm -hmm. learn a skill. Oh boy. Yeah. And so, how do we support this vision of a community college that that not only does not only serves as junior college, but helps the entire entire community and serves the vision that we have for it in in San Francisco? And because the state is no longer supporting that vision, that's what pushed us to to work on the Workforce Education and Recovery Fund. It's a fund that says, essentially, if the state's no longer supporting that vision of a community college, then we as a city, we believe... We'll do it ourselves. In, uh, yes, we believe in a community college. So we're going to, uh, we're going to support that. And for that charter amendment that I worked on on last year, it stated specifically things that that would get that would get funded. It would support uh, social justice studies. It would fund workforce development. It would fund lifelong learning. It would fund ESL classes. Uh, it would uh, fund uh, art, and and that would continue the the mission of the college as a community college. It, Unfortunately, sorry. due to COVID, we were uh, we didn't have there wasn't as much support for that when we were about to pro propose it last year because of the, the budget situation mm -hmm. and the uncertainty that was around it. I'm speaking with City College trustee Alan Wong. So with that in mind, I mean, if the state is not interested in, in prioritizing funding in the same way that San Francisco is, and last year with COVID, the Workforce Education Recovery Fund legislation, the, the Charter Amendment didn't get the support that you'd hoped for. What's next on that front? Um, are there so plans to revive we, it? We, we passed a sort of a smaller version of it. So the original proposal was a amendment to the city charter that would permanently set aside money to City College to support 
the college's vision as a, a community college. Because of the, the budget uncertainty, we, we scaled it down to a, a smaller version. So we created this fund uh, uh, in city law that called the workforce, same name, Workforce Education Recovery Fund. And so what it what it is, it, it's a almost like a, a vehicle, a piggy bank, where if the city's uh, if the city decides to put money in this fund, uh, it can be transferred to city college for for the purposes of uh, supporting city college as a community college. So we have created that fund, and last year we put we were able to set aside uh, a small amount of uh, money uh, to towards that that fund that wasn't. Uh, that significant, but the important thing is we created the fund, and now so, so that there's that vehicle where we can allocate money to put into this fund, where it can be transferred to City College for this vision of a of a community college. You know, this uh, something just occurs to me about the situation where I think both you and Tom Amiano, who's also on the City College board, are also legislative aides to supervisors. Does this create a sort of synergy between the Board of Supervisors and the City College Board of Trustees? Oh, um, so I think you mean Tom Temprano. So for for Tom and I, and also Ivy Lee in, in the past, we, in our offices, we don't get involved in city college issues. So since I was elected, I don't talk about or work on city college issues. Mm, in, so it's actually a conflict. In my office, because, because it is a, a, a conflict, mm. right? Um, so that way it's very clear to people which hat, I'm uh, wearing when I'm working on city college uh, issues. I see. Uh, but it's it's also a, a good it's a good thing that we have this uh, experience because who better to advocate for funding than people who have who understand the process? Uh, so in our city college trustee roles, we have that knowledge of city government to be able to push for for the college. One thing to get some clarity on, um, I, I'd like to zoom back out to the state level in a minute here, but just, just to be clear on this, does Free City College, that program um, where college, city residents are can, can attend city college classes for free, does that have anything to do with this ongoing budget crisis? No, it has zero impact on city college. Actually, it helps city college. And it's a common misconception. So I, I actually worked on the law to in uh, 2019 in, in uh, Supervisor Gordon Marr's office to guarantee a decade of uh, free uh, community college. Um, so originally, the uh, it was started by Supervisor uh, Jane uh, Jane Kim. So she uh, put a revenue ballot measure um, on, on ballot called a. Uh, Proposition uh, W, if I recall correctly, that increased uh, property transfer taxes for properties over um, over I, I might be wrong, but it's, I think it's a uh, ten million dollars. Um, so increased the the property transfer tax uh, a little bit, and so that Prop W it generated generates about thirty to thirty eight million dollars each year, and it goes into the general fund of the, the city budget. And so part of that funding uh, about after that passed, um, about $8 million a year was used to work for Free City College. So the city taxes, uh, real estate transfers, gets this money, and part of that money is used to pay for the tuition of community college students. And, and so after that passed, it actually increased 
City College enrollment for uh, a few years and then it kind of uh, plateaued. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then in 2019, as a legislative aide and supervisor in Mars office, I, I worked on the legislation. Since the original agreement was a, a two-year agreement, I worked on legislation that would uh, guarantee it for another decade and also made some uh, improvements in terms of the, the stipends that were, were given to, to students uh, with, with the legislation. Let's talk about um, the the state. I mean, you have acknowledged that the state and even the federal government have underfunded education for a long time. And we've already talked a little bit about how the state does supply some funding mm -hmm. to City College. I mean, what other options are there to try and change that at this point? Because mm -hmm. uh, we've also mentioned that this is just like a, a Band-Aid on Band-Aid on Band-Aid situation um, and something, you know, maybe a little bit mm -hmm. bigger needs to happen. Uh, so what needs to change there? Mm -hmm. Yes, we need to start prioritizing education. Community colleges are definitely at the bottom of the barrel in terms of being prioritize and in, in the education you know out of our UCs and CSUs uh, and and community colleges uh, community colleges are at the bottom of that too so education is already underfunded and you know out of all the education systems we don't get enough support as well so you know so what our options are because because uh, that agreement that you mentioned is just a one-time or one year one year deal if we want to avoid being in the same situation again, we need to be actively lobbying for long-term and sustainable funding. So it can't be a one-year band-aid, it needs to be a permanent commitment. And so that's why it's important to get a long-term commitment from either the, the city, state, or, or at the federal level to support city college and support our vision of having a community college how do you do that who do you go to because if it hasn't been a priority up until now mm -hmm. you know what what who's to say that it could now so we can either um go through go for the city um there it's there's been expressed interest at the board of supervisors to who support city college and we we think that's a viable option and then as a more longer term thing working to get the state to acknowledge that not all community colleges are are the same and that city college is is a is a college that serves a broader population and work to change how community colleges are funded so it's more equitable to to our city college You've said you'll be working on joint legislative efforts with faculty and other stakeholders to get long-term funding. It sounds like what you're talking about there is primarily a focus on the on the city. Is that fair to say, or are you thinking state? I, I think well? that's fair to say. Yeah. I, I think that's the most realistic option. Mm. Uh, and part of our agreement between the union and city college is for us to work on joint legislative efforts to to get more funding, especially at the local level. Mm -hmm. Well, Alan, thank you for walking me through this. Um, is there anything you want to add about this fix or the next steps that you didn't get a chance to talk about yet? Mm. Yes. Um, well, you know, I would say that City College is in a really difficult situation. It's This is a long-term issue where in terms of our expenses, our expenses have, we've committed uh, to a certain number of expenses that are 
that's way higher than the revenue that we're, we're taking in. And so we need a long-term and sustainable change so that we're not going through band-aids from year to year. So to if we want to avoid having being at the same situation where we need to look at uh, reductions again, then we need to look, look at long-term and sustainable funding. And that's what um, our college board is very committed to working with our, our stakeholders at City College uh, on in, in order to ensure that we have a, a balance and a sustainable budget at City College. Mm-hmm. I guess I'll throw one more thing in there. I mean, one thing that struck me about these this this entire crisis and also the conversations that I was having with, you know, City College students and, and with a teacher, um, and then also, you know, we reached out to City College, to the spokesperson there, to ask about the the cuts that were being proposed. Everybody seemed to agree that if something wasn't done, it was going to be an existential level blow to the college. Um mm-hmm. is that what you see ahead that again the the city college all decision makers and stakeholders are going to be again facing an existential level threat if these uh systematic or these systemic budget issues aren't resolved? Yes, because we've been relying on band-aids and unless we it gets long-term and permanent change ideally funding we're we're going to be at the same crossroads again next year. Yeah. Not not the rosiest outlook, but I do appreciate you talking with me about this. Thank you. Yes, you know, I, I do think it's really important to share the bad news with the public so they understand the, the crisis that the college is in because we need all the understanding and support that we can get from, from the public. Right. That's a good point. Thank you, Alan. So thank you, Laura. That was Alan Wong, a member of the City College Board of Trustees and a legislative aide to Supervisor Gordon Marr. I'm Laura Wenis, and you've been listening to Civic. Civic is produced at KSFP LP 102.5 FM in San Francisco. Our theme music is by John Dillon. Our team includes producer and contributor Mel Baker and assistant producer Liana Wilcox. KSFP is a project of the San Francisco Public Press, a nonprofit investigative newsroom. Find our reporting at sfpublicpress.org.